Hornady presents American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. I'm the Red Bull Mike Grace, Alex, and uh, Wayne Locke, who's having a birthday this week. Join us on the phone. Hey, guys, how's it going? Happy birthday to you. (laughs) I'm 29 again. Yeah, happy birthday to you. I wish your barn had a roof. <laughs> hey, I was just glad that I was able to get the three walls back up that was knocked over. So, but uh, yeah, we're over there this morning. Been over there all morning working on it, and uh, picked up the generator yesterday so we can. We didn't have power for well, the Alex didn't either. This whole area right. here didn't have power until last night. Well, no, Alex, Alex didn't have it until this morning, but we had our our team back on last night. Yeah, he knows people and how organized they or something there. But anyway, it's amazing what seven dollars will get you. Seven dollars. <laughs> anyway, as we record this show tonight, we're sitting on our front deck of our house. Wayne is rebuilding the roof on his barn. I just got in from turkey hunting. This is the last week of Missouri turkey season, and it's been one of the toughest seasons I've ever seen in my life. In many, many, many years of getting on turkeys that I could work. Because the turkeys I would hear would be on somebody else's property, and I wouldn't go. Today made 11 gobblers that I've called in for hunters. And of the 11 gobblers, five of them was just super jets. So hmm. that's how tough it's been for me. I've talked to other people. Other people say, oh, man, we're calling in left and right and that. Well, it's all about having the turkeys. Would you agree, Wayne? Oh, no doubt. The fact that you're seeing a lot of super jets will be nice for next year. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. That's yeah. good sign for next year. Yeah. But anyway, the turkey numbers are down, Red Yeah, just just barely, uh, just a little bit, and and that's because the turkey hunting up north is really good. <laughs> and, and like you said, Alex, the, the word that we're you know seeing and hearing on social media is it just kind of depends on where you are. But I think to date, thirty five thousand uh, turkeys have been checked in Missouri, and that's how many were killed last year. So. Everything is really about on track to where it was a year ago. Now, nowhere near the 60,000 that we had a few years ago, but uh, I don't think that number is ever coming back. Well, you think about that, 35,000 is 25,000 short of 60,000 robbers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like I said, I don't don't think uh, we'll ever get back to that number. I just don't think it's possible. Well, we got too many predators, and, and you know the wet spring. We talk about it all the time. Right. Well, and then look at the storm that just hit Monday. I mean, with all that hail, uh, if there's any eggs that were out, they're done. Could, it could be right. Yeah, there's in those areas. Yeah. On the best. But you know, I, I hunted with a friend of mine from Louisiana, and this guy right here is a predator trapping fool. And he said the worst nemesis to turkeys, and he manages his turkeys on his farms in Louisiana. He said, Alex is crows. Raccoons, mm-hmm. coyotes, possums, hogs. He brought up hogs big time. Yeah. Skunks, too. I mean, skunks. And he said, crows kill, take eat more eggs than you'll ever imagine. Mm-hmm. So he went to control crow hunting and doing all this trapping almost year round. He said, I went from 12, 12 turkeys on his farm. The next year went to 25. 
Hmm. And he caught over 100 predators every year around his farm. 100 wow. predators. And what he does, he keeps a diary of every animal that he catches hmm. and kills. And the day he catches them, kills them, and he's up to 35 turkeys on his farm now. Yeah, see, I, I think that's the key. Uh, and, you know, and you know the, the small hatches because of the wet weather and all those things all play into it. But, uh, I mean, I think from what I read and understand about uh, the turkeys, I think the predators is a major problem. And, and you know, Alex, it's, it's kind of those catch-22. You know, the pelts aren't worth anything, so why go through all the trouble of trapping? And But then again, you know, if, if you don't trap or you don't get out and coyote hunt, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to get out there and chase those old mangy wild dogs. Well, if nobody does, then they, they destroy the turkey nest and they eat the poults. And, I mean, it's just a catch-22. If if you want to have turkeys on your farm, you're going to have to get out and do some of the dirty work. Yeah, we're going to have to do a better job on predator hunting, you know. And, again, reiterating, you know, the fur market, we've talked about it many times, and we don't mean to be repetitive in every show, but we want to get the point across. There's no fur market, so nobody's trapping or coon hunting, Wayne. Right. I mean, there's no incentive for young kids to come up and do it because they're not going to make any extra money. And um, shoot, matter of fact, not making any, they can't even deliver papers anymore. <laughs> 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 I was going to make a comment about that, but boy, I can't even can't even tell them to go deliver papers and make money. But no, there's no there's no market for it. So kids have no interest in taking it up. And like you said before, it's a lot of work. And when you say that's a four letter word to kids nowadays, it seems like. Yeah, there are a lot of the kids. But anyway, right. that being said, we've got a great show lined up for everybody. We've got team member, our team leader, Mr. John Manning, going to be on the show with us talking about his success in Ohio. He's going to be sharing strategies and techniques. And those guys have been laying the gobblers down, Wayne. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, you got Chris Mule Johnson, Chris Owensby, uh, Randy Yarborough. I don't know his his grandson that killed some turkeys. And you got our new member, Michael Warren's laid some down. Right. So ARO is going to have a lot of kills for this upcoming year and next year. So uh, John Manning's coming up soon. Everybody don't go away. We'll be right back with more American Roots Outdoors after this. Hi, everybody. This is Aaron Tippin, and you're listening to my old buddy Alex Rutledge with American Roots Outdoors and good friends. Hornady presents. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. Your host, Alex Rutledge, and we're sitting on the front patio of my house here, front deck. And Wayne Lack's sitting here with me. He's got to go. I hear Renee hollering. Wayne, get over. <laughs> I hear Renee hollering for Wayne to help get back over and get to, back to work on that roof. Yeah, that tornado came through and took our barn down, so I got to get it built. We got storms coming in tonight. I got to get those horses covered up. So I'm going to split out, guys. Uh, have a great show, and everybody listening, make sure you tune into that podcast. Sign up, leave us a review, and I will catch you guys later. Everybody, good luck for the rest of the season. She's hollering there, buddy. Anyway, we got a great show lined up for you guys. We got ARO team leader on the line from Ohio, John Manning. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, great to be back, guys. How's everybody doing? We're doing good. Do you, where are you at right now? What is? What are you looking at? What is your situation? Where are you calling from? Well, I actually are in my Jeep 
I'm heading up to get some gas so I can get my yard mowed before it rains. And actually just slowed down, and there's a Tom in the field right now we're watching. Hopefully we can uh, seal the deal. we still got two tags left for the boys tomorrow. Awesome. So tell me about, uh, tell all of our listeners across the country here in the world uh, about Team ARO Ohio. Tell us about the members of your boys, and, and tell us about your spring. I know you guys have been laying the gobblers down. I want to share with them why you guys are so successful. Well, um, just to tell you a little bit about myself, um, my name's John Ming. Um, my son, I got two boys, Nick and Christian, and my wife, Annette. Uh, Christian's 18, and uh, Nick is 16. Um, what our, while we're working on our birds here is, is we've been, we have been pre-scouting before the season, and then also just, just staying on scouting, looking for them. Um, luckily, I've got several farms that I can, I can uh, go hunting on. So I, I won't burn one farm up. I, I tend to kind of bounce around so we can find a hot bird and get on him. Okay, so when you go in there and scout these birds, I want to talk about that. When you go scout these birds, are you t- talk about the, all the different ways you scout to find these birds and pattern them uh, to create the success. Well, uh, I use trail cameras. I also do a lot of glassing from the road. I call it uh, road hunting, basically just driving around, looking at all my farms, just kind of watching, seeing where the birds are going. Uh, we do a lot of times we'll go and sit in a wood away from the roost, watch them land, see where they're going, see where, which way they're going to go to their uh, their strut zone. And we, we capitalize on that. Uh, if we can't get, you know, if we can't get close enough to the roost, we'll go to that root, to the uh, strutting area and just kind of set up a wait for them and uh, see what happens. That's a pretty cool technique now. How many gobblers have you and your boys and uh, Team AR harvested so far? We've got four. And I've, they're I've all packed. and they're all on film. Yes, every one of them are on film. I've got uh, I'm tagged out. I actually shot I shot a bird Sunday in a in a thunderstorm, and then uh, Monday went back into the same exact farm because it's loaded with loaded with toms. Went back in the same the next day. In the afternoon, went in to actually move a blind because they were calling for rain. Plus, set up between these two big fields. There's a woodlot set up between these two big fields to see which way the birds are going, and uh, call a little bit here and there. I didn't. I don't. I didn't call heavily because there's a lot of hens there. Mm-hmm. I've noticed you get to calling heavily, them hens are just going to pull them toms away. So I just kind of just yelp a little bit here and there. You know, do a little series and wait about 35, 40 minutes to do it again. Uh, had several birds gobbling at us. We had one behind us that was uh, he was pretty pretty hot, but he was about 400 yards away. Mm-hmm. So, but we had a couple birds in front of us. We was watching them, working them. Uh, couldn't get the front ones birds to work, but I do believe the one behind us finally. The hen came in and he he followed her in, and I harvested my second bird that way. Uh, you know, I, if I may interrupt, if I may, if I may interrupt and interject with you. Uh, the technique that you're using works very well for hand-up gobblers. If you go after and you cut aggressive, loud, instantly off the bat, and yelping real aggressive and fast and loud, it seems like no hens will respond. This morning we hunted about an hour and 15 minutes away from Bird Street, and uh, I just yelped really, really soft, and all of a sudden hens started yelping. So that's a tip for y'all, and I'm going to let you share your technique again. And just repeat uh, what you said so the listeners will really absorb what you're saying. 
basically, I don't go in to blow the woods up. I, I go in and I call softly and calmly, as much, you know, just some just some yelps, you know, a couple little cuts, and yep. wait about 30, 40 minutes and do it again. Uh, my, my thing going on here is a lot of our older hens have already went to the nest. So a lot of the juvenile hens are out now, so I, I don't have them real big, big raspy hens that aren't really aggressive that comes in hammering. So really, these younger birds they're going the opposite way. They're gonna they're gonna pull that tom away from us. So I I tend to I still do a little uh, kiki runs things like that, and it's it's working out really good. And so the younger you're, yelping, birds, you're yelping if I may interrupt. You're, you're mm-hmm. calling sounding like a younger hen right now. You're keep using a clearer sounding call. And if you don't yep. care, share with the listeners what type of call you're using. I, I, I still use the uh, the, the 250. It, it's got a rasp to it, but I, I push up how I push up on that call to where I, I'll get a push up where I can get that, that more subtle sound to it. And then also using the Evelyn and, and not really just hammering on it, just a, you know, just an easy. Easy yell, a little cut. Yeah, a little cut, a little cut here and there. Um, the only time I get make it a little bit louder is if I'm in a wind. If it's real windy, where I I know them birds got to hear us, I'll hit a little heavier. But right now I'm I'm not I'm not blowing the woods up by no means. I, it's just, I'm telling you, it's not working. They're going the opposite way. John, do you have an Evelyn call handy on you right now? Uh, no, I, I don't. Okay. I don't, but anyway, what my, you can do. We're going to share with the listeners, the Evelyn is a three-and-a-half-inch slate call over a walnut pot, and all the calls are CNC machined. And they come with a Hickory uh, ARO logoed striker, and every one of them will be autographed and signed and dated by myself. And what you can do is you can take that striker and use it on the edge of the call, nearest to the rim. Yep. It gives you the younger hen sound. You can go to the middle of the call, and get the older hen sound. So that's a tech technique and a tip to share with all of our listeners if they want to uh, grasp and take a hold of that. We'll have to take a break here in yep. a minute, but what a great tip and what great success you're having. We're very excited to have you on the show. And the next segment, we're going to talk about some more techniques and, and talk about some of your hunts, everybody. John Manning, Team ARO, they're laying them down on film. We're going to go to a break, and we'll be right back with more American Roots Outdoors right after this. This is Brenda Valentine, and you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. So you never gotta worry what the wind might do American Roots Hornady presents American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. I'm the Red Bull Mike Grace. Alex is with us on the line uh, at his home in Birch Tree, which uh, turned his his uh, his normal colored house green spots. <laughs> <laughs> it sure did. We had a heck of a storm. Everybody. I saw the I saw the picture. had to leave us. Wayne is over there across the road working on his roots right now. He has uh, got it blown completely off. We've got over 10 log trees blowed down on our property right now. Mm. Uh, down the road, my other neighbors, they've lost over 100 and some trees. Wow. We had a tornado come through here, and it, it's just unbelievable the, the disaster that it's created. Red yeah, it's, a, it's amazing how much damage the wind can do. You know, yeah. it, it just really is. And, and those pictures of your house with the uh, shredded leaves and the grass and stuff blowing all over it, that's just unreal. Yeah. I, I've never seen anything like that before. 
Yeah, it was a bad storm. You know, I'm sitting here. I'm going to take the picture for all of our listeners. And on the line, we have John Manning, ARO team leader from Ohio on here. We're talking about his training. But I want to paint a picture for you of what I'm doing. I'm sitting here stretched out in my camo. I took my lacrosse boots off. And I'm airing my stinky socks out from turkey hunting all day. And I'm looking at my wife's hummingbird feeders and watching all these hummingbirds come in. She's got three different hummingbird feeders, and they're just buzzing left and right like giant mosquitoes. <laughs> but anyway, what a picturesque setting that I have. But let's get back to our main subject, John Manning. John Manning, man, you guys have been laying them down. Let's talk about the first gobbler you killed this spring uh, filming for ARO. Let's talk about it. Well, it um, basically... What it boiled down to, we set up, uh, my brother, my brother and my youngest was on one side of the farm. My brother had to leave, so we, it was a rainy day, so we had blinds set up on, on this big farm. And what it boiled down to was uh, me and my oldest was down, and I watched all these hens pitch off the opposite way from us. And it, it stopped raining, so we, got, we actually got out of the blind and walked up. There's an old tobacco barn. We mm-hmm. walked up, and as we got up the old tobacco barn, you could see across this field about 400 yards, there was three long beards, two of them strutting heavily, and one kept popping up and down, and there was four or five hens out there. So I looked at I looked at Christian, we got on the edge of that barn, and we've hunted right there on the edge of that barn many times. It sits way, way back in the middle of a field. So uh-huh. we got set up there, and we decided this kind of two hens kind of fighting back and forth with each other. That was our our strategy. So uh-huh. we started working and that one one long beard, he kept he kept popping his head up and he started to come closer and closer and closer. And I told Christian, I said, He's coming in. Let's get set up. So when we got set up, there's a fence line right in front of it that just kinda of give you guys a picture. The way that old barn sits, there's a fence that runs down to another bean field that runs back around. And about three to four hundred yards back out of out of uh, bean field there's a wood lot and then Nicholas is down there, was sitting in a blind. So we got set up there, and not thinking, you know how birds are, they'll hang up on a fence. Well, he, he didn't hang up. He popped out about 100 yards down from us. I knew right then and there, he's past us, and instead of ruining and trying to overcall him, we actually uh, got a hold of Nick and just said, t- text Nick and said, hey, you got a bird coming to you, just call. So we literally actually stopped calling. We hooked him and brought him that far. Nick, Nicholas finished him off and brought him right up into up there to him. I'm walking, watching through binoculars at this barn, watching the bird go up in there, start strutting at the decoy. He spun around and uh, Nick shot him. So it was a it was an exciting, long long donged out situation, but it was it was an awesome hunt. It was it was unbelievable, and uh, you can hear Nick. Gary, he's 400 yards out. I didn't give him a hornet. He had a. He was all 60 all four up. Let me ask you this, John. What calls was you and, and Kristen using to create the two hens in competitive calling against each other? To create, yeah. And what series of calls was you doing? Was you yelping, cutting? What was you doing? Yeah. You, you calling we way were, back or just gracefully yelping what? We were, do, we were yelping and then just cutting at each other. You know how a hen goes, like that. That's what we yeah. were doing. And I would do it. He would do it. If he cut me off. I cut him off. He cut me off. I cut him off. And then wow. I went. I went to fighting turn like a Jake. Okay, Jake's mm-hmm. involved now. So we're going back and forth, just kind of throwing the whole kitchen sink at him. 
and it paid off. It was the early part of the season, and it paid off. And it's funny, it was because we hooked that bird, and the other two birds left the hens, and they hooked on back in the backside. It came in behind Nick because Nick heard them coming behind Goblin too, when he and the one coming front. So we actually pulled all three birds from them hens, and it was it was unbelievable to see that bird come and work that far across the field. And I think he would have came right up in our grill. But like I said, he hit that fence. He had a roadblock, and he he had a, he knew where to cross over at. He's on he's on that farm, so he crossed over on farther down. Like I said, at that point. He's working away from us. He didn't see a de- he didn't see our hen decoy or anything like that. So he's working away from us. Instead of overcalling that bird, we knew, hey, let's stop. Let's let Nick finish him off. So Nick finished him off, and and it was a successful hunt. It was a nice, nice mature long beard, and it made it, it made us a. I mean, we was happy to see it all go down. It was unbelievable. Well, well the. the- the cool thing about it is that was the early season. That's before they would gather with all the hens. You could have called aggressive then. And what a great strategy to use. Now let's move to your second gobbler that you guys harvested. Let's talk about it. Well, it what it boiled down to is this actual hunt was, was Christian. The day before, me and Christian went to a farm in the afternoon, and we had a, we had a long beard or out in the field. And we was able to slip into a wood lot about – 200 yards or 300 yards from him. It was kind of windy, so it was in our favor. We worked our way into that wood lot, got set up, couldn't get no decoys out because, you know, we were in the spotlight, basically, if we got in the field. We set up on this bird. He had he had a hen with him, and we actually did the same exact thing, but we made the hen mad and started bringing her towards us. Well, as she was coming towards us, she got in closer. There was two jakes with this tom. The two jakes come in as well, but they would they hung up about a hundred yards out, and they would come in and then they go out, and then they come in and they go out, and I finally Christian's up in front of me, and I got with him. I said, "Hey, stop! Let's stop calling. I, I just don't think this. I don't think they're going to work our way in. I don't want to overcall these birds. I said, let's watch and see what they did. So we literally watched them birds go out, hook around this woods, and we literally watched them walk in the woods. I told Christian, I said, either myself or you're going to be right here tomorrow morning. So Christian went there, and me and Nick went to another farm, and Christian went to that farm and set up exactly where I told him. The two jakes came out first and just destroyed the decoys. I mean, just destroyed them to the point where they knocked the hen decoy down, and they, they whooped everything up, and Christian was working them birds, and he gobbled at them, and he got th- that jake to gobble, and that's all it took. As soon as he gobbled, that big long bear, he got, he gobbled, he gobbled, he got, and just came right in. And he worked that bird right in, right up to him. The only thing that the pro, only problem was is when he got up there, he seen that thin decoy knocked over. He was a little discouraged about that, but he was he was close enough. Christian was able to get a shot and put him down. The only downfall of the hunt was is Christian found out the hard way about big spurred birds. He took one in the thumb, and I don't think you'll ever do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I've got a scar on my palm of my hand right now from a gobbler that I shot many years ago, big old inch and a half of turkey, and I didn't realize it got twisted up my glove, and I mean, it laid my hand open. I, I needed stitches, but I didn't go get them. But man, what great stories and what great strategies so far of gobbler number two. We're going to take a break here in just a second, but when we come back, we're going to talk about your other two gobblers, then we're going to wrap it up on our bonus segment, share with everybody. 
what made all these so successful. We're going to take a break, everybody. You're listening to American Roots Outdoors. We'll be right back with more after this. Right here, right now, this is Chancey Walters listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge, the Ozark Herd Bull. Arnie D presents. Hey, folks, this is John Manning, Team Ohio Team Leader. Uh, on the line with you here today, talk to you about our hunts and uh, the strategies that we're doing to uh, to put down the birds here in Ohio. What a great show we're having, Red Bone. Yeah, and uh, yeah, a lot of great strategy. And you know, it's interesting, Alex, uh, uh, to listen to John uh, talk about their turkey hunts from the first bird to the second, and the difference in the way they were calling and the way they approached the hunt. And, and the other thing I'd like to say here, as we start this final segment of the radio show, is. Uh, during that first hunt, I thought it was very interesting and, and kind of the ultimate type of hunt when you're team hunting. And that is two different groups of hunters, you know, hunting relatively close together. And, and I know it was 400 yards or whatever it was, but uh, still able to, to pass that bird on to the other hunter. That's, that's a great strategy and, and just shows teamwork in the woods. Yes, it does. And, and my nephew, J.D., I took him today and his son, Jaron. And he was telling me about success on one of his gobblers this spring. Mm-hmm. He said him and his dad worked the same gobbler two days in a row. And he said when they would call to him, when they were setting together, the gobbler would leave with a hen. Hmm. Every time. He said, all right, Dad, here's a strategy. I'm going to go about 200 yards from you to where he's going. You come back and do the same thing that we've been doing, and I go to the other side. Jack goes in there, does the same thing he calls. J.D. don't say a word. And the gobble goes straight to J.D., and when he gets just out of gun distance, J.D. soft yelps, and he comes right to him with that hen, and he kills him. That is what you call teamwork. That is what you call using strategy, using technique to close the deal. Absolutely. Sometimes it takes more than one person to close the deal on a big old gobbler like that red bone. Uh, well, absolutely, and evidently, and, and that's what they're doing there in Ohio uh, with John Manning and, and his boys. And I say hats off to you guys for doing a great job. Yeah, it's well, good you. to hear. Yeah, it's good for people to hunt with their children, their kids, uh, friends, etc. I love team hunting. And now, John, uh, again, if you're just listening to the show, joining the show, uh, American Roots Outdoors, we've got John Manning, ARO team leader. He runs our team and coordinates everything, runs our computer, our website. John, let's talk about gobbler number three and number four. We've got about eight, seven and a half minutes left here. Awesome. Well, it won't be too bad because... One was on Sunday and one was on Monday, so we'll get them pretty quick. Okay. Um, what, happened, what happened was the day that Christian went and killed his bird, me and Nick went to another farm, and we had several birds, They but they were hen. They had a lot of hens, and actually Nick got to watch a Tom breed a hen in the field. He's never seen that before. We've actually got footage of it. They were came in, and they were about 150 yards out from us, but the hens were pulling them away. So the next morning, me and, me and my oldest went in there, he went in with me, and we set up, and the birds were coming in, and Christian was yelping a little bit, and it was actually, I, I kind of just sat there. I wanted him to get a little schooled. I wanted him to learn a little something, and the birds, the hens pulled him away, took him away from us, and he's like, wow. I was like, I knew it was going to happen. I told him, I, I didn't say nothing. I, I wanted him to learn it, so, because it helps. It helps us out as as we get into it, so this that that uh, 
later that night, they were calling for rain. So me and Nick went and grabbed the blind and sat up in this corner. And that Sunday morning, we went in, and, and we got in there, and I told Christian, I said, we're not going to call. We're not going to call until we see a Tom hit the field. I said, we're going to, because if we do start calling, them hens are going to pull them away from us. We're just going to be quiet. We know they're coming this field. We, we've watched them come this field three days in a row. They've always been coming this field. We've seen them in, in, in the early season before, actually before the season started. We've seen birds here. I know they're coming to this spot. So we sat up, and the birds were gobbling their heads off all around us. And it was thundering, it was thundering in the background, the birds were gobbling. It was beautiful just to hear them. Uh, we had a natural hoot owl, hoot owl at them. Uh, we actually used their ARO hoot owl call. We got them to gobble that. Everything was beautiful. The birds came in, and they, they, um, they stayed in the woods. And they worked their way out about 100 yards from us, and they hit the edge of the woods. And when they popped out in the field, the bird I shot, he started a full strut. He cut in full strut, and he dropped his fan down. And Christian was getting ready to yelp, and that bird turned around, and he looked at our decoys, and he came on a dead run. I told Christian, I said, don't say a word. Here he comes. So he just, we just sat there as quiet as we could, let the birds come in, and we decided to take a double. Well, we've never killed a double together. So we're sitting there, and I, uh, I, I had just the – my first bird, so they came in, and the, the big bird, he he started beating them decoys up. Well, when he came through, he was in a blind, there's a window. I pulled my gun up, and I waited, and once he come around, Christian drawed up. When he drawed up, that one bird seen him. He took, that one bird took off, so Christian said, shoot, Dad, go ahead and take him. So I shot, and then when Christian shot, he dropped the bird. The bird got back up, and he and he took off a little more, and he, and he hit him again. And he dropped the second time, and we're hot five, and we should have got out of the blind. One thing we should have done, we should have got out of the blind at that point. That bird got back up, and he shot at him again the first time. That bird was gone. Um, come to find out, we got back, and that gun was shooting high to the right. So it, it was it was a, it had a scope on it. I don't know if it got bumped. Things like that can happen. But um, obviously, we did. We, we looked and looked and looked and gave the bird all the all the things we could to go look for him. We could not find the bird. But boils down to was on that one. I, I wanted to showcase our calls, but I knew that if we called a lot or we started calling, they were going to work from us. So I decided just to be quiet. We knew the birds would come to that field. We scouted them enough, and sure enough, it paid off what we needed. We came to the field, and I and I harvest uh, my first bird of the season. There you go, folks. If you'll think about everything that these guys have talked about during this whole show, and we've got about a minute and a half left here, these guys attribute all their success, number one, being on great dirt that's got a lot of turkeys, number two, scouting, figuring these turkeys out, knowing where they're going, knowing where they're roosting, and three, using calling techniques to adapt to the situation that the turkeys are in. If you'll notice, earlier in the spring, before all the gobblers gather their heads, you can call more aggressive. And as the spring prog progresses and days get longer and the weather gets warmer, uh, they get more into the breeding cycle, you got to tone your calling down. So that's what these guys have done. They've toned it down, and they use their uh, turkey intelligence to close the deals on these four big long bears and all on film. 
What a great success story, Redbone. Yeah, great success story. And, and probably, Alex, uh, you know, for turkey hunting families, I'm talking successful turkey hunting families, everybody can probably relate to every one of those hunts because they've done something very similar. And uh, uh, that's just what's great. I mean, that's, that's the tradition, uh, the tradition of the spring turkey hunt. Uh, you know, three different stories, three different scenarios. And um, anybody that turkey hunts in the spring can, can certainly relate to all of them. Yes, they can. And uh, we're just so proud of you, John, you and your family. And Absolutely. thank you for what you do for American Roots Outdoors. And you two, Redbone and Wayne, and every team member we got, we're all a big old family. And American Roots, we're all about faith. We're all about family. We're all about friends. We're all about God. And we're all about our constitutional rights. Right. Everybody, want to thank you so much for listening to American Roots Outdoors. And remember, if you want to hear a bonus segment, we're going to talk about the cause that John and his boys used to close the deals on all these gobblers and how you can order those calls by going to our website or going to a dealer near you. We want to thank you for listening to the show. And Redbone, we're going to say it together. When your roots run run deep deep and strong, strong, you never have to fear the wind. There you have it, folks. Thanks for listening. Tune in for the bonus segment. So you never got to worry what the wind might do. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio Hornady presents the bonus segment of American Roots Outdoors Radio. I'm the Red Bull Mike Crace. Alex Rutledge is here. And uh, if you're listening to the radio show or the other part of the uh, podcast, uh, this is your bonus. We've got uh, Team Ohio, John Manning on the line. Alex, uh, hope people got a chance to listen to the entire radio show because it was fantastic. Uh, John telling the stories about the birds they've harvested so far this spring in Ohio. Yes, and I think the big thing is this show is so informative and it can share strategies and calling techniques with our listeners to help them be more productive. And, again, I'm reiterating, repeating, how they started off calling aggressive to gobblers, and they had to slow it way down and call very subtle and sound like young hens because the older hens was starting to set. So the young hens were still breeding, so they, they resorted to the calling sound like young hens. So there you have it. John, Nick. Nick Manning, let's talk about the calls that you guys use. Nick, what calls do you like to use uh, when you're turkey hunting? Well, one of my favorite ones is American Roots, the E250 mouth call. That's why I called my bird in this year. So that and uh, Evelyn. The Evelyn Slate. Yeah, she's three and a half inch. She's got a walnut wooden pot, all CNC machined. What an excellent call. Uh, do you ever use the M150 or the L300? The L300 is a more raspier call for an older hen, John. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I agree 100%. I, I, I love them. I love all three of them. They all three got, are great tools in the, in the woods, and they've all three produced awesome sounds across the board. You can get any range from the any range you want with all three of them. That's what I love about them. Yeah. The equipment that you used to be successful, number one, was Hornady. Uh, versatile turkey loads. What's your favorite shot size? I like, honestly, I like a number five. I like between, the, I used to shoot fours and sixes, so I, I use the number five. I like the five. It's in between the six and the, and the four because I got, you know, if you're in a heavy woods or anything, you got a more heavier shot, 
and you know, and you still have that the more pellets mm-hmm. instead of having just a six you know, and a, or a, you know or a four. I like that in in between shot. That number five is just amazing. What about you, Nick? Uh, same here. I like like the number five. How many yeah. yards did you shoot your birds, all you guys? Was all of them shot at forty yards and less? My uh, my my first bird I killed was at uh at thirty, and just dropped him like a I mean dropped him like a sack of taters. He just hit the ground. Yeah. Um, the one Christian shot was at um he was at about twenty twenty five, and actually that um he's had he's been having issues with that gun this year a bunch uh-huh. and. He uh the second he had to put a second round that bird and that bird was no joke the second round was almost sixty yards out and he and he plowed him over at sixty yards. Versatite turkey oh, loads there you have it folks you shoot a modified oh. choke tube you shoot the versatite turkey loads they will shoot a great pattern. The problem oh, yeah. is a lot of people try to shoot the versatite turkey loads in an extra tight choke tube it's not going to shoot so use the modified choke tubes. Anything you want to say to all the listeners before we wrap her up here, guys? Again, I want to thank you both for being on the show, and and thank you and your family for what you do for American Roots Outdoors, Manning family. Yep. That's uh, the only thing I like to say is, folks out there, take these young kids out. They learn a lot. I'm telling you, I'm a proud father. I've got an 18 year old and a 16 year old boys that that I don't have to look for. I don't I don't I don't have to worry about them being chasing uh, chasing drugs and alcohol and stuff because. They chase turkeys and whitetail, and they're after the deer and they're after them turkeys. They love the fish. I don't have to worry about it. They're there. Um, these two boys are, are compassionate. They go through the woods. They like taking people. My oldest took my brother today. Um, I'm taking my brother tomorrow. My oldest and my youngest are going to a different farm. I'm taking my, my older brother with me, and it's it's amazing. Just uh, My brother told me, he goes, I can't believe how, how good these two boys are. Uh, progressive in the hunting industry, they're they're just they're they're getting good at it. And I said because they like to pay attention, they listen. Uh, they like to listen, but also it's 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 what you and your wife has taught your children. You go to church, you love the Lord, and your faith is yeah. very strong. You want to touch on your faith real quick? Share a word about the Lord and your faith. I tell you what, I I can't walk I can't walk this life without the Lord. He is he has truly blessed me. He's actually, the Lord, before I was with the Lord, I was with the world. And the world, the Lord brought my wife to me. And I've got probably the best in-laws I could ever ask for. Uh, my, my father-in-law, uh, he sings gospel music. And I couldn't ask for better in-laws. They live right down the street from me, and I love them to death. And it's just the, my faith to see my boys grow up in church. And I know for a fact that, you know, they don't, they are not after the drugs and the alcohol and stuff like that. And they're faithful and they, and they believe in the Lord. I'm telling you, folks, you can't, especially with this day and age, everything's going on right now. I'm telling you, put the sword in your hand, that Bible and read it. The words are right there. Everything that's going on is in that Bible right now. Folks, yeah. turn to the Lord. Give it, Amen. Give them the prayers every day. Amen. Nick, I'm going to let you say something to all the young listeners out there that may not have accepted Jesus yet. Give us a word. Well, I can't do anything without Jesus, you know. And uh, it wouldn't be possible for any of us to do anything out in the outdoors if we didn't have God. So I'm just faithful that he made a creation on the surface of animals that we can kill and appreciate. So I can't do anything without him. 
What do you got to say to the kids out there that uh, never been to church, uh, that they don't know if God is real? What have you got to say, Nick? Uh, you better believe he's real because he's come back one day, I'll tell you that. So there you have it, folks. Good to know him. There you have it, folks. The Manning family, Team ARO Ohio. Successful turkey hunters that love the Lord. And you can see all their ethics and their effort they put in. It's a strategy. They've got plans. It's like walking this world. you got to have a good plan to be successful financially, health-wise, uh, in your walk to heaven. So there you have it. want to thank you all for tuning in to American Roots Outdoors. John Manny, I'm going to let you and Nick close it with our famous saying. All right, Nick. I'll start you in this. When your roots are deep and strong, you never have to fear the winds. God bless you, folks. God you bless y'all. Thank you for tuning in. Share and write comments on the podcast. We love y'all. www.americanrootsoutdoors.com The sun ain't up. They ain't down. We'll be waiting when they hit the ground. Big time coming. It's what we do. From a whipper wheel to an old house who Sitting still till it's time to shoot American roots. Take it to a holler. Take it to.